You are listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. For today's episode, I had the opportunity to interview Roger Butts. Roger is a Unitarian Universalist Christian minister and the author of Seeds of Devotion, Weekly Contemplations on Faith. I'm here with Roger Butts, who is the author of of Seeds of Devotion, Weekly Contemplations on Faith. Roger, welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. It's so nice to meet you, Aaron, and thank you for for having me. Feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. So I live right now outside of Fort Collins, Colorado. I am a Unitarian Universalist minister by... Uh, ordination and a hospital and hospice chaplain by training. I have um, in during COVID. I, I have a wife who is also a minister in in a liberal Christian tradition, and three young adult kids. Um, during COVID, I decided that after years of collecting favorite stories that I would put out a book. And that's how Seeds of Devotion came about. Now, without spoiling too much of your book, what is Seeds of Devotion about? Well, the, the, the title, Seeds of Devotion, comes from a Rumi quote. Rumi was a Persian poet, um, and a lot of people look to his writings for spirituality. And he says, I am a farmer of the heart. Every day I plant seeds of devotion. Um, seeds of devotion is just a, it's, it's kind of a book that has 52 or so stories, um, stories from my life as a chaplain, from my life as a minister, favorite stories from different religious traditions. And it's designed to help people tap into their own spirituality, whatever that spirituality is, um, to make sense of the events of their lives. Because in some ways, the best gospel of any religious tradition is your own life. You know, um, everything you need to learn happens through your own life. And so if we can take those if we can take those stories that happen to us, the good, the bad, the mundane, the extraordinary, and learn how to make meaning out of them and to make some kind of um, clarity and grow our hearts and grow our compassion, then that will that will enrich our lives, that will deepen our lives, both spiritually and relationally and um, and so on. Every story is followed by a kind of interfaith ecumenical prayer and then there are reflection questions after after the prayer. So it's story, prayer, reflection questions. And the idea is um, yeah, just as I said that we're just drowning in sacredness and divine presence. And if we can open our eyes, we can begin to see that and, and just see the beauty and the miracle. The fact that we're born, um, the fact that we 
get to experience this life, it's a miracle all by itself. And if we can open our eyes and see that, we can invite compassion, connectedness, joy, passion, purpose, all those things. Uh, Carl McCullman was the author of the foreword to your book, Seeds of Devotion. Who is Carl McCullman, and what was it like to work with him on the book? Well, Carl is a great man. He is, uh, he is a lay monk in Georgia, and he is a writer and contemplative. He is um, deep into um, centering prayer and contemplative prayer and he is just a wise gentle um mystic i guess you would say he just uh he just wrote a book called the big book of christian mysticism um and he's just a good friend and a good man and he wrote a very nice forward to the book and uh, I love Carl a lot, and I would recommend anybody who is on a spiritual journey. He's been pagan and Catholic and mystical, and he's been all over the place. Um, and he is really connected to, to divine presence. I would recommend his books to anybody. It was a joy to work with him. Now, uh, as I understand it, there's some anthologies that some of your prayers have, have been published in. Is that correct? Yes, yes. I have some prayers. I What I like to do is write prayers a lot. As a hospital chaplain, I like, I like to write prayers. Um, and I like the prayers to be as broad and inclusive as possible. So I've been in a number of anthologies around um i've been in one anthology called shelter in this place that was trying to make sense of covid and being involved in covid um i've been in in a couple of meditation manuals and anthologies of um one called conversations with the sacred just a variety of people from different different perspectives um submitting prayers on on how they they talk with the sacred um so i i enjoy that very much yeah now uh, is your book seeds of devotion is that self-published traditionally published or a hybrid publish i guess it was a hybrid it's a a friend of mine has a publishing house um, Grace Point Press, and they, um, they're a, a publisher that sometimes acts as a traditional publisher and sometimes acts as kind of almost like a self-publishing house. Um, but they, they took my book, um, as they were looking to expand into more interfaith kind of work. Um, they do a lot of things around sort of, mm, I don't know how you would call it, but like human design, self, uh, self-help. And I think they, they took my book as a, as a way to get into more traditional religious thought. And, um, 
and so I, I, I was very fortunate that they, they picked up my book and I'm very grateful for the guidance they gave me. It's called Grace Point. It's based in Colorado Springs. Uh, do you plan on writing more books? Yeah, I have another one in the works. Um, it's it's a book that I'm writing with 18 or 20 um, friends and colleagues, and it's called Praying the Poets. It's a book about using poetry, whether we're spiritual or religious or not religious or what have you, whatever our journey is on. It's, it's a book about using poetry as a way to pay attention, wake up, be more connected to the earth and to ourselves and to our loved ones. Um, and that's going to be called Praying the Poets. I think it, it should be out sometime in 24, I would think. I have also an idea to, to write a book about um, the poet Carl Sandburg. I want to I want to collect some of his poems and write reflections on them. Um, I'm a huge fan of Carl Sandburg's. He, um, he was from Galesburg, Illinois. I'm from Galesburg, Illinois um, originally. And I just love the way he writes. And I have a, I have a thought to, to write a book about him someday and his poetry. Yeah, I'm from uh, Westville, Illinois, which is uh, near the Illinois-Indiana border, about several miles south of Interstate 74, which also by which is which also bypasses Galesburg, by the way. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, it does. Galesburg I know is about well. halfway between Moline and Peoria. That's right. It's it's um it's halfway between John Deere and halfway between John Deere and Caterpillar. So it is agricultural as it can be. I loved growing up there. Uh, now this next question is a, a political question. Now as the political discourse in the United States tends to center conservative evangelical Southern Baptist Christians, what is a liberal Christian? Well, this is somebody who um, who doesn't believe that the Bible is literal, um, but it's important to take seriously, um, that Jesus may or may not have been divine, but his teachings are worth um, exploring and living out of, that, um, you, you know, that there's not just one way to be religious in the world, um, but the commitment is to um, beloved community, the commitment is to the flourishing of all, the commitment is to, um, you know, the part of the Jesus uh, teachings that, that illustrate that we're all in this together, that the brotherhood and sisterhood of all is important, and, um, and that we can build a society and a world where people um, are grounded in allowing others to be fully who they are, whether they're gay or lesbian or trans, uh, whether they're 
undocumented, whether they're, you know, well-educated or not, um, that we can all flourish and that we can build a world where everybody can flourish. Uh, my uh, next question is about inner spirituality. What yes. is inner spirituality and why, do, why is it the future of spirituality? Oh, yeah. Well, for me, I think it's the, the future of spirituality because it, it kind of gets back to what I was just talking about, Aaron. You know, this idea that um, Christianity is a beautiful path. But as you look at Buddhism, as you look at Judaism, as you look at Islam, as you look at humanism, as you look at paganism, um, these are beautiful paths too. And you can, you can come out of one of those traditions, but still learn so much as a practitioner of another tradition. So I have a friend who is both really into Episcopalian theology, he's an Episcopalian, um, but also really into Buddhism. Um, and there are a lot of people, Carl McCullman would be one as well, who find meaning and purpose and guidance and life not just in one path, but in many paths. And, um, and you know, the idea is that you find truth wherever it comes from. And so I can be both a liberal Christian and sit with a Buddhist Sangha and learn from that tradition. And I think it's the future of spirituality because there's, there's so much richness in every world religion and um, there's so much interconnectedness so inner spirituality is um, the idea that there are many paths to the truth there are many ways of being and you don't have to just be wedded to one of them now for my uh, final question, this one's uh, about a very controversial political issue, the death penalty. Why do you consider the death penalty broken beyond repair? Oh yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as part of my work as a minister, I organized against the death penalty. And the death penalty is broken beyond repair because it's, it's blatantly racist. It's blatantly anti-poverty. If you have the capacity to pay for a good defense attorney and you've committed a terrible crime, then you're not going to get the death penalty. If, you know, if you're in certain areas of the country you're not going to get the death penalty. There's just a handful of municipalities that even use it. And, <clears throat> and so it's just, it's unfair on its face. The second thing is that the death penalty is a, it's a condoning of violence by the state, 
when um, that violence is not going to make the situation any better. Recidivism rates do not change, do not improve when the death penalty is in place. Um, if that were the case, places like Texas and Virginia and Ohio and Florida would have much lower rates of crime because the death penalty would be a deterrent. But it's just not the case that there are lower, uh, lower instances of crime in those places. And, um, and so it doesn't reduce crime. It doesn't uh, have a successful recidivism rate. And it's blatantly unfair uh, punishing those who cannot afford good counsel. And so the other part is that it's not reversible. Um, there have been so many hundreds of cases of falsely imprisoning and putting to death and putting on death row those who later were determined to be innocent. So it's a final non-reversible punishment. And if you get it wrong, you can't take it back. The other thing is that it's, it's cruel and unusual. Um, every European democracy has outlawed it. And um, uh, the United States, for whatever reason, continues to, uh, to pursue it and use it. But we're in really bad company. It's like North Korea, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, the United States. I mean, there's a handful of, of countries that still pursue the death penalty. And, um, and if you look at them, they're all bad actors. They're all bad actors. And that's because the death penalty is just cruel and unusual. It's inhumane. It doesn't work. Um, but for some reason, we still cling to it. And so I, I really believe that, um, that we're going to come to a point where we realize that it's just not an effective tool. I'll give you an example. In Colorado, where until recently the death penalty was on the books, not very well used, but, you know, on the books still. In Colorado, there were three people on death row. They all came from the same county. They all went to the same high school. And there were horrible, horrible crimes being committed in Colorado that did not get the death penalty. But these three people on death row, um, they were from the same place. And so even in the state of Colorado, there wasn't an even equitable distribution of the death penalty, but rather there was one county that was using it and all the other counties weren't. And, um, and it, just, it just didn't make any sense. Finally, we got rid of it in Colorado and I'm very proud of that. But there's just a handful of municipalities around the country that use it and those places are not safer than other places. Um, it's just broken beyond repair. Roger, you were a wonderful guest for this podcast, and I thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author Podcast. Oh, it's really nice to meet you, and good luck with your podcast. I'm delighted to, to be on with you, and I, I really wish all of your listeners well.
Roger was a wonderful guest for this podcast. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now. You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Facebook at author AAC and on Instagram at AAC Scribe. Copyright 2023, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.